0: Welcome to the Freedom Formula for Physicians podcast, where it's all about slashing your debt, slashing your taxes, and creating a liberated lifestyle. And now, your host, who met his wife while training for the 400 meters in Seattle, and is eating gluten-free whilst lusting after bread, Dave Denniston.
1: And we would like to thank our sponsor, Locum Story Have you ever considered a different way of practicing medicine? Whether you are burned out, need a change of pace, or are looking to supplement your income, locum tenants might be a solution for you. If you're considering locum tenants, either full time or on the side, you probably have a question or two, or 20. Fortunately, locum story has the answers you need. It is packed with unbiased information and advice from physicians just like you. LocumStory.com has nothing to sell. It's simply a resource for information where you'll find all kinds of super handy tools that let you see Locum's trends for your specialty. Be able to compare it with different Locum's agencies and there's even a quiz to help decide if Locum's is right for you. The Locum Story blog also features content and perspectives from actual Locum's physicians who have firsthand Locum's experience. LocumStory.com is the perfect place to start if you want to learn more about Locum. So, everyone, make sure to check out locumstory.com. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Freedom Formula for Physicians podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping doctors like you slash your debt, slash your taxes, and live a liberated lifestyle. Well, today's particular episode is all about that slashing of taxes part of our mission statement, and we're going to bring in a gentleman to talk about something I've never heard about before called an 831B, and so this particular product, from what I understand about it, is a potentially amazing tax deduction, not for everybody, but for certain folks, and sounds like it's something just in the last 15 years has been brand new, so I'm excited to learn more about it. Please help me welcome our guest, Ed Bryan. Welcome, Ed.
0: Thanks, Dave. appreciate you having me on. looking forward to talking with you today. Yeah,
1: yeah, you bet, Ed. Well, before we talk about an 831B plan and what that is all about,
0: can you tell us a little bit about you? Where are you from? Where'd you grow up? Sure, so I uh, grew up in the Intermountain West, um, bounced around a few different states, currently in Idaho, um, we're in in Boise, so um, we really like it here, uh, and that's where I spent the bulk of my time. Went to school here and raising my family here in in, in Idaho. So we love it.
1: <laughs> awesome.
0: Do you, do you get out to the
1: the mountains out there? I love that Cordillera. It's gorgeous.
0: Absolutely. We we spend a lot of time camping and and biking and hiking and fishing, and so we definitely spend a lot of time outdoors. And we know how fortunate we are to have those mountains right in our backyard. Well, Idaho sure sure
1: is growing in population a lot. I think I was reading the other day; it's like I think it was number one or number two in population growth the last couple of years.
0: It, it has definitely grown. It's it's a growing area. It's funny. I you know spent a lot of my youth here and then left and then came back, and uh, there has been a significant swell in population migration, if you will, from other parts of the country. And you know it's 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 good and bad, right? You, you like to see. Um, the amenities with bigger cities and bigger, bigger areas. And at the same time, it's, uh, you know, you lose a little bit of that um, uh, intimate feel, if you will. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But but all in all, it's been good.
1: For sure. You just have to hide out in the mountains, right? You know?
0: Yes. (laughs) Get away from it
1: all. So, um, Ed, give us a little bit of your career trajectory. So what have, what have you been doing career-wise? How, how have you gotten to what you're doing now?
0: Absolutely. So, you know, I spent quite a while in the in the corporate world. Um, worked for AT and T. Um, did some sales management, some operational stuff, um, some supply chain stuff, and really, you know, I was in corporate America for quite a while. And I started to think to myself, "There's there's got to be something different," um, you know. And i I'd, I'd like to get out of that rat race, if you will. And so, I was actually recruited out of that position into my current position, um, where I am the director of business development for SRA. And so. You know, we don't use the term sales because we're not really selling a product, but uh, we're out there educating people about what we do. And so really have taken a a jump into the deep end of risk management and risk mitigation and advising small to mid-sized business owners on those types of things, making them aware of of those types of options that are available to them. And I've been doing that for the last five years. And and to be honest with you, I don't see myself really doing anything different for the rest of my working life.
1: Do you guys um, at the firm do just these 831s or do you do like 401ks and cash balance plans? You know, what what kind of stuff do y'all do?
0: Great question. We are a very specialized outfit, if you will. We we only do 831B plans. You know, there are a lot of other tax incentive programs or advanced planning tools out there. You alluded to a few of them, but all we do is administer 831B plans. So. Much like a 401k administrator only administers 401ks, we only administer a 31B plans, So we're very specialized and we feel that that allows us to really become the experts and and we've become really well known in the industry for doing just that piece. And so we stick to our bread and butter and and we love it and and we eat it up.
1: So would you say you guys are like third party administrators or are you... um advisors, you know, what, what on the (laughs) spectrum uh, or maybe you're multiple things. I don't know. So I was just curious, how, how would you describe, you know, the kind of work that you guys do on the spectrum of, you know, being financial planning to uh, being plan administrators, running a plan to um, actually like being a plan sponsor or, you know, how, how would you describe, you know, your role?
0: Yeah. What I would say is um, in, in the world of things to your point, a lot of people want us to be multiple things, but really all we are is we are an administrator of 831B plans. So you know, much like a 401K administrator administers 401Ks, we do the same with with 831B plans. So um, we don't advise from a financial consulting or a tax advice perspective. Simply, we set up the 831B plans, we administer them, we make sure they're compliant with the all of the regulatory. Requirements and um, and we do the tax returns for the 831B plans, but that's really what we do.
1: Okay, got it. So we've we've teased it enough. What what is the 831B? What is this plan about? How is it different from 401KS or cash balance plans or those
0: kinds? Of- so um, let's you know it's funny. We when we talk about 831Bs, Dave, we we also like to talk about. We kind of like to turn a page back, if you will, and um, we want to talk initially about 401KS right? Um, so a lot of a lot of your listeners may or may not know, but the 401k was put into place uh, in the late 70s, right? And there was a tax incentive attached to that that allowed employers to set aside tax advantage dollars for future retirement for them and their employees. So I would wager everyone on the call knows what a 401k is. So 831b plans came into place in the mid 80s, um, and they were really born out of um, something called a liability crisis when we started to talk about insurance and businesses not being able to um, procure the types of coverages that they needed because the insurance companies were starting to tighten coverages they were starting to increase premiums and deductibles and so businesses found themselves not being able to find that coverage and so as a result in 1986 congress put a 8 put the 831 piece of the 831b piece of the tax code into place and what an 831b plan simply allows a business to do Dave, is it allows you to or allows a business to set aside tax advantage dollars for future liabilities or future risks, that, for coverages and the types of things that they can't get coverage for on the open market, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, so you somehow walk walk me through. So this sounds like it's for businesses. So private practices, perhaps, or 1099 folks, maybe Folks that are doing locums or something like that. Um, so it's probably not a good fit for someone that's just W two and not a practice owner.
0: Right. Yeah. No. That's a great question. So yes, there. You know, when we start to talk about these things, especially in in the medical space, if you will, um, they've got to be practice owners or partners in a practice or ten ninety nine to your point. So it's one of those things where if you're if you're a W two employee of say a big hospital network or or a private, you know, you work for a practice then this may not be a fit right now. Uh, but when I whenever I talk to medical professionals, uh, the, the comment that is always made is that you never know when you're going to go into your own and you're going to start your own company, you're going to start your own practice. So it's, it's good to be aware of these types of things, even if you're a W-2 employee currently, or maybe you're still in medical school, whatever the case may be. These are the types of strategies that once you're aware of them and you're educated about them, they become something that down the road you can look to implement.
1: Absolutely. And so... With um, this kind of plan, certainly we've talked a good bit about 401ks. We've certainly touched on cash balance plans in in this podcast. Um, What's what's different about this kind of plan? Can you do it on top of a 401k or a cash balance plan? How does it work?
0: Yeah, great question. So it's funny that you mentioned that. Uh, You know, A lot of people, when this started, a lot of people looked at it and said, you kind of had to do one or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, but what what we argue is that you should do both, right? If you offer a 401k, you should have an 831b, and the 831b primarily benefits the business owner or the practice owner. Um, so you know the the, the 401k, sure, there's it, it benefits the business owner, but it is it really benefits employees, right? An 831b really is something that benefits that that business owner, or that practice owner directly, and it's something that. Really is kind of a next level strategy for those business owners. And so, to sort of kind of think about how it works, right? Let's talk about real world applications. You know, let's say that that you've got a couple of partners in a medical practice, and and they're looking at risks that they have, right? Then, and when I talk about risks, we're not, you know, we're not talking about replacing your traditional uh, malpractice insurance or your general liability or your workers comp. All of those insurances, traditional insurance does a great job with those types of things, right? But what we're talking about is We're talking about filling in the gaps. And, you know, Dave, we always talk about, especially in the last two to three years, look at all of the risks that physicians, doctors, you name it, surgeons face due to COVID, right? There are a lot of of doctors out there who found out that their practices all of a sudden, or the type of medicine they practice was deemed non-essential, or they were only doing emergency work. And so it constricted the cash flow significantly of their practices. That's where an 831B plan comes in. An A thirty one B plan helps you set aside money for a rainy day that your traditional insurance either can't or flat out won't address with traditional insurance coverages. Does that help?
1: Yeah, it kind of helps. So give me an example of the kind of practice that this would be a good fit for. So let's say oh, sure. docs docs have a four hundred one k. They're socking away some money there, and um, you know, let's just say it's it's like three owners of the practice, and maybe they have 10 staff or something like
0: that. Sure, yeah. And and, and so let's talk a little bit, and, and to your point, Dave, let's talk about revenue a little bit. We kind of look at gross revenues. Traditionally, 831B plans, and why a lot of people don't know about them, even today, and why we view ourselves as primary primarily educators, is because if we were to go back 10 to 15 years ago, if you wanted to implement an 831B plan, you would have had to have been grossing, say, north of 20 million or 50 million. It was, it became, it was a big business tool initially when it came out. Even though it was made for small to mid-sized business, big business got a hold of it, and enterprise level organizations really co-opted. So was, there were some barriers to entry. Right. But now we have business owners and, and specifically in the medical space, practice owners that say that if they own a practice that grosses you know, north of a million dollars, they can look at an 831B plan, mm-hmm. right? And so let's talk about that. Let's say you've got three practice owners and partners and they've got a successful practice, they've got good revenues and they're sitting there saying, okay, you know, maybe, maybe they made it through COVID without any issues and, um, but, but that shined the light, right? Well, that, that's what COVID really did for a lot of business owners specifically in the medical space. It started to shine light on risks that maybe people didn't ever consider before. And so what they might consider is saying, "Okay, well, we know we've got some exposure that our traditional insurance doesn't cover, um, specifically related to and all the types of things we help business owners and practice owners really set aside money for the things that impact the cash flow of the business." You heard me talk about that a little bit, and let me kind of give you let's let's dovetail the 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 idea or the scenario you laid out into a real world scenario that I saw play out from 2020 till now. So practice owners, there were actually two of them. So there weren't three, but they owned, they had a couple of clinics in a fairly decent sized city on the East Coast. And in they had had an 831B plan set up. They loved it. Initially, they loved it because of the tax benefit, because there is a tax benefit. And, and Congress knew in 1986 that if you put this thing into place, there had to be an incentive for the business owner or the practice owner to set money aside. And so there was a tax advantage attached to that. So a lot of business owners look at that and they love that. But, but what had happened is in about March, April of 2020, as you know, the entire world ground to a halt and their type of medicine in, in the city where their clinics were was deemed non-essential. And so they went from a very successful medical practice um, generating many hundreds of thousands of dollars of revenue a month to nothing overnight. And so here's what they did, Dave. And this is where, the, this is where you can kind of see why an 831B would be something that if, if you're in the medical space and you're in the right fit to your point, you would may really want to consider they went to their traditional insurance carrier and said hey we know we we've been paying business interruption insurance premiums for the last 15 years we want to file a claim because we got shut down mm-hmm. and so and i've told this story many times but it's 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 very plain and straightforward it makes it's very easy to wrap your head around they went to that insurance carrier, and the insurance carrier said hold on we we have some questions for you and they said okay and so the questions were have you had any kind of a physical triggering event, think fire or a flood, you know, earthquake, something that prevents your patients from getting into your offices. And the answer was no, you know, we, we were shut down because of COVID. We were shut down by the, by the, the city that we were in. Um, you know, we were deemed non-essential. And they said, okay, so you haven't had anything physical happen, they kind of re- reiterated that question. the answer was no, and they said, okay, well, you can't even file a claim. You can't file a business interruption claim because, you know, on page whatever it was of their policy, the business interruption policy, there's an exemption for pandemics, right? And so all of a sudden, these physicians found themselves in a position where they've been paying premiums for the better part of 15 years to an insurance carrier, only to find out that not only could they, did they not have coverage, they couldn't even file a claim. And so what happened was they came back to us and said, "Hey, what? Well, you know, can you help? Right?" And as you know, a lot of a lot of business owners, a lot of practice owners were panicking like the whole world was panicking in 2020 because we didn't really know what we were dealing with. And so they said, Hey, tell us about that contingent and third-party business interruption coverage that we have with with our 831B plan. And uh, they asked if they could make a claim. And the answer was yes, because unlike a traditional policy, our policy was written in a way that said for any reason, if your patients cannot get to you, so it doesn't, it doesn't have to be something direct or physical, right? It's an indirect uh, disruption of the business. You can file a claim on your 831B plan and you can pull pre-tax dollars back into your business in the time of need. And so they were able to infuse pre-tax dollars back into their business in a timely manner. And this was way before the PPP program kicked in or any of the other types of of tax incentive programs and rebates and credits that the government put out. And so a lot of our clients and specifically physicians, that had 831B plans prior to 2020, tell you that they not only survived they thrived through the last three years. Sure so
1: um, lots of questions about this so it sounds like this is an insurance product of some sort so it's it's, absolutely and it's it's tied to getting money out of it's tied to claims.
0: Good question so so claims are so if you if you were to apply the litmus test on what does traditional insurance look like yes so, so these things operate as insurance companies, right? They have to look, smell, taste, feel like an insurance company, meaning policies have to be issued. There is a claims process, but here's the beauty of it. The practice owner or the, the business owner owns this thing, right? Instead of having a, a paying premiums to a third party for those types of hard to get coverages or or the types of things that you can't get covered for on the open market, we set one of these 831B plans up for the business owner or the practice owner. They own it, they pay the premiums into it. And much like a traditional insurance company, they hope they don't have claims, right? I mean, you think about it, right? When we pay our insurance premiums now to any carrier for any reason, be be it business or personal, none of us want to have to make a claim, right? And the insurance company is hoping that you don't have a claim. So during the year you have coverages and these these are an additional layer of risk mitigation over and above your traditional insurance coverages. But what happens is once that policy expires, Dave, At that point, the business owner, the practice owner has options to access those funds. It's no different than a traditional insurance company that, when that policy year expires, all of those funds that are in there minus any claims become surplus reserves or underwriting profit to that insurance company. And they do a lot of things. Traditional insurance companies loan those funds, they invest those funds, they declare dividends, all of those types of things, right? Well, now we bring it down to the micro level, if you will. Now, our practice owners, our business owners that own an 831B, if they don't have claims, and they don't participate in any other claims. At the end of the year, minus any of those claims, the funds that are in there become underwriting profit or surplus reserves to that 831B plan. And at that point, Dave, the business owner has a couple of different options. They can loan those funds to themselves. We can do a shareholder loan at a very favorable rate. They can dividend funds out at qualified dividend rates instead of ordinary income tax rates. So usually there's a nice tax arbitrage created there, but the truth of the matter is, Dave, the real power and the real benefit to this uh, as, as years go on is that the business owner or the practice owner is in control of choosing when and how they access those funds down the road. During the year, the only way to access the funds to be very clear is a claim. I, I, when, when, when policies and coverages are enforced, just like traditional insurance. But once that policy year expires, that's when you have other options to access those funds.
1: Now, I, I know, um, you, you said a, a bad word, a, a swear word in the, uh, the lexicon of uh, <laughs> of physician finance, which which is insurance, you know, and, right. and I think there's a lot of reasons for that, you know, particularly in the life insurance market, which it sounds like this is not life right. insurance. You know, I've seen over the years as a financial advisor, people sell things like 412i plans, which is basically a cash balance plan that right. someone sells life insurance. And there's a big cost to those things, as well as there's a lot of People that try and sell whole life policies to doctors because oh you can afford it when in fact they're not even maxing out their 401ks or doing a, a Roth IRA or a backdoor Roth IRA or those kinds of things. And so um, the reason why so many people don't like those things, generally myself included too by the way, you know I would say is because there's the cost of insurance associated with it. Obviously in the case of life insurance. The younger you are, the cheaper it is. The older you are, the more expensive those policies become. So the, the, the question on, on my mind, and I'm sure perhaps some people listening to this, is um, you're, you guys are not a nonprofit agency. You're in this to provide for your family. so you can go camping and have fun in the Idaho wilderness. Um, you know, what, what is the cost of, of setting up a plan, maintaining the plan, You know, all those kinds of things that I'm sure, you know, to submit a claim and get claims and get uh, everything with the IRS, there's there's costs associated with it. So what are
0: those? Absolutely. And and that is a good question. And and one thing I would point out, Dave, about uh, about the insurance word. Right. I mean, I know business doesn't matter what industry you're in, but uh, but to your point, especially in the medical space, insurance can be a a bad word. Uh, and, 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 And I know that to be true. Here's the thing to think about. Instead of paying insurance premiums to a third party and, you know, going years and years and years without any claims and never getting any of that back, we kind of flip the script here, right? With that 831B plan, when they pay premiums into that 831B plan that the business owner owns, and they get to enjoy the same types of benefits that traditional insurance companies have been doing for years and years. And so to your point, we talk about insurance, but it's really a shift in the the structure of what you know about insurance. Um, and so let's talk about costs. to your point, you're right. we're we're not a pro, or not a nonprofit entity. So there are, are two fees associated with our program. we're pretty transparent about it. There's a, a formation or an annual maintenance fee, right? That's the admin fee on an annual basis. Um, it starts at, it's at five thousand dollars a year. It doesn't matter what size of business you are. You know, and if we were to go back traditionally 10, 15 years ago, that number would have started at say a hundred to fifty thousand, right? So we're at five thousand now. Um, we try to make this attainable for the small to mid-sized business owner or practice owner. And then based on the volume of premiums that come into your 831B on an annual basis, we do retain a a small percentage, somewhere between three and 10% of those premiums that go in. But here's what I can tell you, Dave, is that our program is designed to ensure that fees never get in the way of a business owner who's in a position to do this to where it, it causes them to not see or not see the full benefit, right? We always have, we have a saying that says that the client has to win on, on multiple levels for this to make sense for them. And so we don't ever want to fee them to death. We don't charge billable hours. We, we have all in fees, the fees I told you, that's, that's how we operate. And so we try to run as lean as we can because we truly believe that small to mid-sized businesses, practice owners, et cetera, are the lifeblood of the U.S. economy. And they should have access to the same tools that the Nikes, the Apples, United is the Googles of the world all have, and, and that's really our mission. So we try to keep our fees as lean as possible.
1: And now let's take a moment for a quick commercial break. And we would like to thank our sponsor Locum Story. Have you ever considered a different way of practicing medicine? Whether you are burned out, need a change of pace, or are looking to supplement your income, locum tenants might be a solution for you. If you're considering locum tenants, either full time or on the side, you probably have a question or two, or 20. Fortunately, locum story has the answers you need. It is packed with unbiased information and advice from physicians just like you. LocumStory.com has nothing to sell. It's simply a resource for information where you'll find all kinds of super handy tools that let you see Locum's trends for your specialty. Be able to compare it with different Locum's agencies and there's even a quiz to help decide if Locum's is right for you. The Locum Story blog also features content and perspectives from actual Locum's physicians who have firsthand Locum's experience. LocumStory.com is the perfect place to start if you want to learn more about Locum. So everyone make sure to check out locumstory.com. When I think about this plan so far, so I just want to make sure I I repeat a couple of things. So forgive me if uh, I just want to make sure that all of us that aren't familiar with these are understanding it right. So in terms of who this is not for, this is not for someone that's W-2 at this time, although they could certainly keep it in mind. This, um, you have to have minimum revenues of a million dollars. Did I understand that right?
0: Yeah, that's usually where it makes sense. And Anything from a million north is where you can at least start to consider an 831B plan, in our opinion.
1: And and I would imagine the person would have to be able to afford, you know, putting a, or the company has to be able to afford putting an awful lot of money into this plan. You know, generally most people target a hundred thousand plus into it. Yep. Yep. You're, you're right on line, Dave. Okay. So, um, which which is often the way I think about cash balance plans, too. Yeah, it's probably the nearest corollary I can think of to something like this, uh, because you have $2,000 to $4,000 in administration costs annually, which is pretty similar to what you had mentioned. Um, and you have to be able, in order to justify that, you know, you got to sock away $100 oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, So let's say someone is now, they say, okay, this is for me, you know, I could sock away our practice, you know, I'm, I'm making 500 grand, I'm living on a hundred, you know, if I could sock away 200, 300 grand, this would be a potentially great idea for me. Um, Let's say that they're, they're, I assume that that would be the premium that they put into it. Is is there a limit on that? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Great question. So we, There are two limits that we look at. One is the self-imposed compliance limit, um, and that is no more than 10 to 12% of gross revenues of the total gross revenues of the business on an annual basis. And then the tax code itself currently says, um, the 831B tax code itself says no more than 2.4 million of premium into an 831B plan on an annual basis.
1: On an annual basis. Okay. Yes. Okay. So it is really significant. Like I think about a cash balance plan, you know, generally the most you could do in there is, is um, around, I think it's three and a half million dollars lifetime, not year, annually lifetime
0: per
1: person. Um, So if you have a husband and wife in it, you know, you could probably sock away 7 million bucks or something like that in it. If I remember the numbers, right. I might be off a little bit, just talking off the top of my head. So with this plan, you could potentially do far more than you can in cash balance. So let's say um, you guys crunch the numbers. Is there like a a cash balance plan with those? Normally there's like a minimum commitment that you're making on an annual basis, as well as like, it's not something you just do for a year. You're essentially making a three-year minimum commitment to doing it. And then the TPA will, the third-party administrator will come back and say, hey, Uh, we're going to give you a range on an annual basis of what you can do. And the number varies from year to year based on a few different criteria. So one year, it might be 100,000. The next year, it might be 150. If you have a really crappy year, you know, you might not have to put anything into it. You can overfund it. Um, So all of those things are options, but there is a minimum number that you're expected to put into it. Is that similar here? Like, what if you just have a bad year? Do you still have to put money into the plan?
0: Great question, Dave. And and that is the beauty of an 831B plan and our plan structure is you're not committed to a minimum number every year. Now, now the second part of that answer would be that we would say that if you're if you're looking at an 831B plan, they're not necessarily short short-term vehicles. So we look at these things as as vehicles that hopefully a business owner or practice owner can utilize for five to 10 to 15 to 20 years, but you're not obligated to fund. So to your point, if a if a if a business owner Maybe they have a bad year or maybe they decide to allocate funds somewhere else. They're gonna buy some real estate or maybe they bought a practice, right? They bought a competitor out and they don't have the funds that year. They're not obligated to fund that year. There's no penalty for not funding. The only fee that is due on an annual basis is that annual admin fee, but we don't punish practice owners or business owners on years that they don't fund. So to your point, we're we're not gonna lock anybody in and to your point say, hey, you have to fund this amount for three years or five years, whatever the number is we're gonna look at the gross revenue of the practice and we're going to point out, this is how much you could fund on an annual basis at renewal, but anything under that that makes sense, or if you had a bad year and, or maybe you put money elsewhere, you're not obligated to fund. So there's a lot of flexibility with an A31B plan.
1: Got it. That's cool. Um, What about in terms of, I put a hundred thousand dollars into the plan Um, You guys um, take your, let's just call it 7%. So there's $93,000 left in the plan after making the contribution. So what happens with that money?
0: Great question. So what we do is we generally turn those funds around within about a week. So five to seven business days, they go into a bank account or an investment account. And in the name of that 831B plan that the business owner, the practice owner owns there, the signers on that account, during the year, so think we go back to that traditional insurance analogy here, right? You have policies force, And our, our policies are generally January 1st to December 31st, just like traditional insurance. Once those policies are enforced, the funds need to be, they can be invested, but they have to be fairly liquid, right? Because technically those premiums are at risk of claims, right? So big stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs. The business owner can have, if they have a, a wealth planner or they have a financial advisor that manages their money, they can manage that money. Um, they can leave it in a money market account. Um, you know, there's that's, it's really up to them. We're not going to dictate to them where they put the money or, or how it's managed. We do have an investment agreement that just gives a high level idea of, hey, it's got to be fairly liquid. Trade plus two business days is really what our litmus test is. And given what's gone in, in, the, in the crypto market, I think it wouldn't be any surprise to everyone listening that we say no crypto investments while you have funds at risk, just because of the volatility of that. So it would be fairly safe investments. And once again, that's what traditional insurance does. Traditional insurance companies, big companies, State Farm, Farmers, Lloyd, Safeco, they take premiums and they put them into safe investments while they're at risk of claims. Hopefully that makes sense, Dave.
1: Although there are ETFs that- Yes, you are- could
0: do ETF, too. good point, good point. <laughs>
1: For for someone that that wants to have exposure to those things, they could find ETFs that are in that space still, I assume, right? right?
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: Which, you know, good or bad, hey, it's a possibility. (laughs) So what's interesting, you know, about this is I would have thought maybe there were restrictions, because I normally think of insurance, right? And most insurance companies, what do they do when their portfolio is essentially invest into different kinds of bonds for the most part. So here you can invest in stock ETFs and yes. blue chip yes. companies yes. and mutual funds of various sorts. So it's not like you're restricted to just doing bond side of things. It can be stock, right?
0: Fund. Right. And, and and I would like to make an important distinction as well. There, to your point, once the policies expire, those those funds that are there, that minus any claims, become that surplus reserve that we talked about. At that point, then you can get more illiquid with your investments. You can get a little bit more aggressive because those funds. Are no longer at risk of claims, and that's where loans and dividends come in, um, other types of investments. Um, so there's a lot of flexibility with that surplus reserve. And, and traditional insurance companies live to get to surplus reserves or underwriting profit, and that's where they they do the same thing. They'll get more aggressive with their investment strategies with those funds.
1: Got it. And so the, the exit strategy, um, the big advantage, I think, of a cash balance plan is, of course, you can end up rolling it over to an IRA. Um, is that something you can do with this plan as well?
0: That's a very good question. And, and here's what I would say, Dave. So we work with, um, work with financial advisors, wealth planners, um, property and casualty insurance brokers, accountants, tax planners all over the country, right? So anybody that, that works with business owners is really, we work with them and their clients. We don't necessarily consult on all of those types of strategies. We have seen, and I have seen a myriad of very creative strategies on how to really efficiently transition one of these things and shut shut an 831B plan down. You know, once a business owner retires or sells a practice or their ownership in a practice, but I, it's something that once again, as the admin, we don't necessarily consult on. We leave that to those people that that's their area of expertise.
1: Well, I can tell you, as a financial advisor, I have no clue. what what, the what the best way i mean certainly you know some corporate structures like i think you were talking more to the c corps you know can do some of the things you were talking about but s corps you know i think the the danger there which there's many benefits of having an s corp but this could be a downfall of it for this kind of vehicle because you don't do loans because you are the 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 pass through into the pass through entity passes the profits to you
0: Yeah. So, Dave, one important point to note as well is that all of these 831B plants are C-Corps. There we go. And and I apologize. I probably should have stipulated that earlier. But yes, these are C-Corps. So now you can start to see some of the some of the advantages, once again, to loans, dividends, those types of things. So you're establishing
1: a company, basically? Yes, exactly. Okay. so this you have a separate tax ID for this other entity. Someone can have a S-Corp. But then you establish a C Corp to pay the premiums into.
0: Exactly. You got it.
1: Okay. It's making sense. I'm with you.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. See, and when, when that S Corp or, or that LLC pays those premiums right into that C Corp, they're a business expense, they're a deduction on the front end to the business, right? So it lowers the taxable income to the operating company, if you will. The C Corp, by electing under that 831B tax code, does not pick those premiums up as taxable income. Right? So there's a power here. That's that's where that tax incentive comes in. In full disclosure, we view the tax benefit as secondary and the risk mitigation benefit as the primary benefit. But it, it's important to understand both. Right. So that C-Corp, that 831B plan, that separate entity that your practice owner or the physician owns, does not pick those premiums up as taxable income by a, because it's electing under 831B tax code. And those are viewed as insurance premiums and they're not taxable. So... so so yeah, go ahead, does, does the
1: fee you guys charge include filing a tax return for that? Entity? Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. So when you think about adminning or administrating a, a plan or a program, we do everything. We offer a turnkey solution. We set the entity up. We get it ready to receive premiums. We make sure it's compliant. We do tax returns. We do any regulatory filings. We do the promissory notes for the loans if someone wants a loan. We do the 1099s if a client decides they'd like a dividend. So literally, we offer a turnkey solution so that that business owner doesn't have to have an army of attorneys and CPAs to figure out how to leverage the same types of advantages or or programs that are out there that big businesses have been doing for the last 40 years.
1: Got it. So I suppose, you know, some of the risks here would be obviously the government changes their mind, you know, on how these things get funded or not um, in terms of how how they get treated. Right. I mean, that's that's a risk, um, but they've been around for a while, you know, so generally I see these things get grandfathered
0: no, right I mean, when
1: um, law changes but
0: yeah that- well let's let's talk about that yeah you're right you know the one thing I will tell you is it went into place in 1986 and, and what we've seen is that both sides of the aisle regardless of political affiliation supports these because I would I would make the argument that everyone recognizes that small to mid-sized business really is the engine that drives our economy and so everyone wants to support small business you know, there are variations in how it, how that's to be accomplished, but there's a lot of support on both sides of the aisle. And just recently in, in 2015 in the PATH Act, they actually increased that limit. You know, I mentioned it's 2.4 million. Well, if you were to go back to the PATH Act, it was 1.2 million. So they actually increased the amount of money that can be set aside into these things. And so it, it enjoys very robust support, much like the 401k. I mean, you know, we talk about Know, could you know, could you imagine if the 401k all of, it, all of a sudden went away in this country, right? It would cause some chaos. We view 831 being that similar structure. There's a lot of big business that is, they've, they've been doing this for a long time. I think there would be a lot of uh, uh, ripple effects if they decided to. But, but, you know, you never know. You know, they could shift on how it's funded, they could change the rules. That's always a risk for sure.
1: And obviously, the, uh, the cost of administering the plan, you guys. In administering sure. it, you know, those costs sure. can go up with time. Absolutely. Um, and regardless of whether you're funding it or not, there's still costs to running the plan. So if you have a few bad years, you might have to pay money out for it. Um, and certainly, I guess the big sale, you know, is really the belief that you're in a much higher tax bracket now than you would be in the future. Because eventually, whether you do loans or not, eventually you got to take money out of the company, right? And then,
0: Absolutely. At, yeah, at, and,
1: and at that point, ahead. you get you eventually get taxed on it. So,
0: yes, and is any funds that come out, right? So to your point, right, and I talked about it a little bit, but any funds that come out of the insurance company from from accessing that are not a loan or a claim, they do come out at essentially qualified dividend tax rates, right, rather than ordinary income tax rates. And so, to your point, most of our clients. I will tell you our our successful business owners, physicians, surgeons, practice owners that are probably, you know, they've they've been at it for a while and they are in that those very high tax brackets and they they've got I referenced it maybe a little bit earlier, but the threshold of paying right they're 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 paying a lot in taxes and at the same time they're very cognizant of all of the risks that they're taking every day to run their business, be it COVID, be it political risk, be it uh, third-party business interruption, unauthorized access to cybersecurity right? All of those types of things that are out there and they know that, you know, there are things that keep them up at night. And that's why in conjunction with the tax benefit, that's why with the risk mitigation component here, this is something that really can help those people sleep easier at night. And that's really why a a business owner might want to consider an 831B plan because it really gives them some peace of mind on a couple of different levels that very few other things out there do.
1: Got it. And then with this plan, you know, in terms of actually submitting a claim, like, do you, what, what are the reasons you couldn't take money out when you're, you know, um, still the business is still operating as normal?
0: Sure. Yeah. So let's let's talk about that. And it's a very good question. So once again, it goes back to the the question: What would a traditional insurance company do? How would a traditional insurance company act when you look at claims, right? I'll give you a scenario. Let's say that you have an 831B plan and you traveled with your family to Hawaii on a vacation and you lost a Rolex watch, right? Let's just use that as an example. You couldn't come back and say, hey, I want to file a claim against my 831B plan. I lost a $15,000 watch and I'd like to pull that money out. You can't treat these things like tax deferred piggy banks. So there are rules in place, right? So no, just like a traditional insurance company, when a claim is filed, a claim is submitted, Uh, The claim is adjudicated um, and it has gone through just like a normal claim. There has to be a proof of loss. It has to be covered under the policy that's written. And then we have to quantify that loss, right? What what was the impact to the business? Was it increased expenses or were there losses that were suffered or lost revenues that were suffered And, and and we will quantify that, right? So it's just like traditional insurance, right? When you file a claim, you go through the process, they determine the loss. And then you receive the payment. of the So that's really how these things work. And that's once again, what we do as the third party administrator, we handle all of those duties for our clients.
1: Got it. So what what kind of things wouldn't be covered? Like, let's say, let's say um, my my revenue went down for the year because maybe maybe I was working a little less, you know.
0: (laughs) Good question. So, yeah, it's really simple. Um, The types of things that can't that cannot be covered are what we call ordinary business risk. And you just hit that on the head, right? If you choose as a business owner or a physician to work less and your revenues down, well, that is an ordinary business risk that you take, right? It's, it's something that is a normal risk versus let's say your revenues were down because one of your key employees got sick and was out for six months and you couldn't find anybody to hire and you people were going to other practices or going to other businesses. And so you lost revenue. We had an employee that was out with a critical illness. That's once again, that's something that can be looked at and say, hey, if it's fortuitous in nature, then it can be insured. If it is not, then it's considered normal business risk and it's not insurable, if that makes mm-hmm. sense.
1: Well, it, it sounds like it could be very gray land. Like, what about this year? There's a lot of inflation, right? So costs are rising for all kinds of businesses. Sure. Physicians included. Like, could it could have the fact that, gosh, my cost just went up and I honestly could use a little bit of cash?
0: In theory, Dave, we're dealing with this year specifically to your point, we're dealing with a lot of supply chain claims because people cannot get ordinary components in their business or through their established existing supply chains. And so they're going having to go out and spend more to um, to procure the same types of things. And if it costs more then all of a sudden, yes, those are things that can be looked at. Right. Because that was fortuitous. It happened due to something that was out of their own control. And it just depends, right? It's it, there, it's one of those things, to your point, there's no shortage of risk for business owners. The question becomes, is it insurable? And we're pretty conservative, Dave, on the types of things that we would say are fortuitous or insurable. And if it's something that, that somebody has a question on and it's very unique, we'd love to dive into that with them. But it's, it's, that, once again, that's where you can lean on us or as the business or practice owner, you can lean on us as the administrator to walk you through that once we're designing that, that program and the plan and going through that initial phase to, to figure out, okay, what's keeping you up at night and is it ordinary business risk or is it something we can address with an 831B plan?
1: Well, I think it's, it's a really fascinating um, plan that I've never heard of before. And certainly it's not for everybody, but for the right practice, the right business owner, I mean, I could really see this being beneficial. I mean, certainly we're, we're in some interesting times right now. There's a lot of question of, where the economy is going and inflation and World War Three with uh, <laughs> Russia and you know all kinds of, of interesting things happening in the world now more than ever. Um, so what a, what an interesting concept and vehicle to to consider. Um, any anything else, Ed, that we haven't covered that you think we should touch on with this plan?
0: Um, you know, it, it sounds funny to say, but um, these things aren't rocket ships. They just have to be done right, um, and so I would say that to all of your business owner, your phys- your your listeners, your your physicians, your surgeons, your doctors that are out there that are more that are interested, I would say learn about it, make yourself aware of it, um, because it's one of those things that, to your point, in the right situation for the right practice or the right person, there's very little out there that can give you the benefits that an A31B plan can.
1: Awesome. And Ed, if people have questions about it, they want to learn more about it, how can they do that?
0: Sure. So it's it's really simple. Our our uh, website is just 831B, so 831B.com. My email is ed, so just ed at 831b.com. Um, or you can give us a call at the office. Um, we're in, once again in Boise, Idaho, 208-424-2249. Reach out to us. We'd love to talk, even if, even if it's something where maybe you're a W-2 employee or maybe you're just finishing up resident a residency and you're not you're not in the situation or you're not in the in the mind frame of, hey, I'm going to do this right now. We'd still love to talk to you because we're educators first and foremost.
1: Awesome. Well, that's so kind of you, Ed, to do that. We appreciate it and we appreciate you being on the show today.
0: Thanks. It's been great. I I appreciate it. Uh, Had a great time, Dave. All
1: right, my friends, for the Freedom Formula for Physicians podcast, this is Dave Denniston. Remember, my friends, remember to slash your debt, slash your taxes, and live a liberated lifestyle way thank you my friends so much for listening to the last podcast i am pleased to announce that i am now a completely independent financial advisor where to the point now i can really integrate my financial planning practice with this podcast if you might be looking for help if you have found any of our information here interesting or relevant and you're looking with your financial situation. And now for some lovely legal disclosures required by our lawyer friends. Investment advice is only offered in jurisdictions where Centurion Financial Strategies LLC, Centurion is appropriately registered or exempt from registration. Our Form ADV Part 2 brochure can be obtained free of charge at advisorinfo.sec.gov by searching for our firm name or its unique CRD number, which is 316 454. This podcast is not a solicitation to provide advisory services in any jurisdiction in which we are not appropriately registered or excluded the information statements and opinions contained in this podcast have been obtained from or are based on information obtained from sources which we believe to be reliable but we do not warrant or guarantee the timeliness or accuracy of such information this podcast is intended for informational purposes only and should not be construed as personalized investment, tax, or legal advice. Opinions expressed by any guest are their own opinions and do not necessarily reflect the firm's views. You should carefully consider your own financial circumstances and needs prior to making any investment in securities or purchasing any insurance products. As always, past performance is not indicative of future results. Investing in securities or really anything else involves the risk of loss if by some chance in this particular podcast i mentioned insurance products insurance products are backed by the financial strength and claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company they may be subject to restrictions limitations and early withdrawal fees which vary by issuing. you should always consider the charges risks expenses and investment objective of any insurance products before entering a contract and that my friends wraps it up wish you all the best feel free to contact us with any info at www.daviddeniston.com. Thank you so much and have a good one. Bye-bye.